This is the Constructionist Podcast, where we take ancient stories, the person of Jesus, current events and topics, and help you construct a new Christian worldview that's relevant and loving to those around you. I'm your host, Kevin Bates. I'm a semiotician and community builder looking at the signs of the times to build a better future together. You are tuned in to the Constructionist Podcast, and tonight we are continuing with the topic of our basic existence, developing a world view. And we desire for you to be able to navigate through your life with a framework of worldview that is relevant and loving to people. So we are back uh, this week talking about truth. Well, version three or truth part three, where we are continuing our deeper dive into developing an honest worldview. And part of that is developing a version or a greater understanding of truth. So if you remember from previous podcasts, we are using the outline developed by the atheist philosopher, a Belgium atheist philosopher, actually, by the name of Leo Apostol. Leo Apostol developed a framework. Now, remember, this is not a worldview. This is a framework of worldview. We've walked through all of these steps. We've spent a few more weeks or two more extra weeks on truth because we believe it's a very important topic. And this is the framework. And we hope that you use this framework to develop your worldview and to come up with one that is worded your way, articulated in the way that you understand it, but also is loving and compassionate to the people around you, can speak the ultimate idea because the ultimate idea of the ultimate level of truth is wisdom and the ultimate level of wisdom is love. And that's what Second Peter talks about uh, in chapter three. So here's the framework, an explanation of the world. We need to come up with an explanation, definition of the world and the world that we live in, the society that we live in, that is greater than just our circle. It's greater than just our circle of 10 friends that we have, that we have an explanation of the entire world. And if you explain it as the world is all messed up or the world is broken or the world is full of sin, we need to explain why we believe that and and then come up with a response that's loving and caring and compassionate if we do believe that the world is broken. I don't believe the world is broken. I think the world is the world. And the evil age that Colossians talks about in chapter 3, the evil age is actually those that don't love people. So the evil age is those that don't, the evil people or the people that are deemed parts of the evil age are those that don't love. And so we need to really flesh out an explanation of the world. Then where are we going? We talked about where are we heading, our version of heaven and hell. Where are we going really determines how we live today. I mean, if we think it's all going to burn anyway, then we live like it's going to burn anyway. If we believe that what we're doing here on earth matters and is a part of a recreative process, then definitely we we will engage in with others and in life differently. What we build in this world matters if we have an end time or an end view of time that is more compassionate and loving and more recreative. Then we have the ethical question of what should we do while we're here and how should we act while we are, while we are here. 
So that comes up with a methodology, a theory of action that we actually engage in a theory of how I'm to behave. This is an ethical question. It's coming up with a praxeology. It's coming up with a value set. And if you want to hear these podcasts, go back into our library and you will find these different uh, broadcasts. And then we've spent some time on what is truth and false. This is our third week of what is true and false. And we're talking about truth and fallacy and all kinds of uh, different ideas of truth and falsehood. This is an epistemology. This is the theory of knowledge. How do we attain knowledge? What knowledge is more solid than others? What's a methodology of attaining or determining what is true? So it's a theory of knowledge. And then we, we spent time, kind of we took a break and we put the last part kind of in the middle of everything. And we put, a Sheree and I put worldviews together. We put it to the test. We said, if we're going to actually walk through this framework, we're going to develop a worldview. And then we're going to put it to a test. So we just ripped apart each other's worldviews and thought through each other's worldviews. And, and we developed and came up with better worldviews. So, so that is the etiology of things. That's the constructed worldview, building blocks, the origin and construction, where we came from, why we believed what we did as we deconstruct and then construct something different. And we constructed a worldview and put it to the test. Jake is going to do that tonight where we're going to answer a few questions and then we're going to go to Jake's worldview and then we're going to just like pulled pork, just shred it. And we'll just put it to the test. Hopefully, we'll help refine. And the three of us and all of our worldviews will be refined coming out of this. And maybe you can do the same for us. So that's the six-point framework. That we have six ideas that we've been working through, the explanation of the world, and um, all the way to actually constructing a worldview and everything in between. If you want to listen to our podcast, you can do so and get caught up. So remember that when... Uh, when you deconstruct something and you have nothing in mind, no vision forward, no, this is where I'm headed, usually you end up exactly where you were in the beginning. When you deconstruct something, I want to be so different, I end up the same. I want to be so different, but this is where I'm headed. So when you deconstruct something or your framework is disrupted, you have to construct something in order to make steps forward. And so this is our thinking space. This is where we come together and we don't have all the answers. We come together and think through and help each other refine in front of the world and everybody listening even through the week. And so uh, this is just a, a time that we get together and explain thought and hopefully be better um, at the end of this hour or so than we are entering into it. So you can support us if you want to. If you want to go to our website, resonatelife.org, and you can go to the Give tab, you can give money to us and we can develop this podcast better and for the future. You can also listen to us every week and make comments in the comment boxes uh, of the social media channels that you listen to or that you watch. And so we want you to engage with us and be better and get better with us. All right. So we have talked about, we're going to skip over any kind of review. First, welcome Sheree and Jake. 
Hey. And hey, how's it going? Good. Good. I think to uh, to also add to your thing, if if you do make comments, uh, we will respond to them. <laughs> we will. Yeah, Fred's <laughs> back. back. Yeah, that's great. Okay, so yes, we will respond to them. We promise. And uh, if you make comments during the week, we'll respond to those as well. Do our best. So if you want a review of what epistemology is or the study of knowledge, if you want a review of that, go back to last week. We did just a hammer through uh, summary of epistemology, the study of knowledge or the theory of knowledge, and you can look through that. But last week we also discussed the forms or the terms related to truth. So we have objective truth, we have subjective truth, we have axioms and falsehood, propositions and fallacy. Those definitions you can go back also last week and or look them up yourself. Just Google them and you will find definitions for them. We're going to use that terminology this week. And so if you get confused or if you don't understand something, just look it up or go back in the other podcast and listen to uh, the definitions of objective truth, subjective truth, axioms, falsehoods, proposition, and fallacies. Fallacies. So I think in our culture today, if I could just introduce, I think in our culture today, we have an addiction to truth. That we have an addiction to truth and how it's expressed is each one of us are individualistic. We live in an individualistic society. And in that individualism, we want to be right. And we want to be right so much. And we're addicted to being uh, the truth. We're addicted to the truth and being right so much that we're willing to damage other people in order to be right. So there was a meme a long time ago that came out that said, is it better to be kind or is it better to be right? I don't know who said it originally, but it seems like an original quote from somebody. <clears throat> is it better to be right or is it better to be kind? And of course, Jesus, in if you just look at the Gospels, you will probably find and conclude that Jesus is communicating to the Pharisee that it is better to be kind than it is to be right. And so if you, th if you think about even how Jesus operated, he operated in kindness more than rightness. For some reason in our society, we have that mixed up where we operate in rightness more than kindness. And I've heard people say that I hold the truth as Christians even the Christian culture for millennia now has held the truth. Like we are the holders of the objective or absolute truth, giving no room really to question it. And we build fences around that idea that we hold the truth. And those fences become so great that people are afraid to question our truth. So I'll give an example when you know, those that, well, it's, it's even a current discussion. Now there are people that actually believe the earth is flat and some famous sports person. I can't, I, I won't mention his name, but we'll just call them a famous sports person that was are... sponsored and definitely say, go ahead, Jake. They're what? 
I think this person's a rapper that you're talking about. Oh. No. No, they're a famous sports person that was that just like a week ago. Oh, okay. I don't know the story yeah, 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 yeah. I know the other person you're talking about. You're right, too. That was a long time ago. <laughs> I'm talking about like last week. <laughs> okay. A famous sports person that is sponsored by a famous clothing company. And they got on, I don't know, they probably were tw tweeting at 2 a.m. or something like that. But it got out there, news... Um, news interview or whatever they did it got out there that they believe that and they said a lot of anti-semitic things and they said a lot of just really damaging uh, talk yes. and then they claim that the earth was flat so anybody that claims the earth is flat definitely has some issues in the brain um but back in the day people believed before you know the invention of certain science and astronomy that they they believed the earth was flat they also believed that you know we were the center of the universe and when they started questioning that people were killed for that stuff people were buried alive and burned because they believed that we weren't the center of the universe or the earth was round and not flat so black swans so, right right that black swans actually existed uh, people literally were killed for such things so so this idea that we hold the truth and we hold it so tight that that no one can question anything i think that's where we've gotten ourselves in a lot of trouble if you think and especially in current society so if you think about social media and some of the things that are out there that has generated false information um it's unbelievable what certain people will will say i was just told today that somebody actually believes that they have mapped DNA. They've mapped DNA to the microscopic level, the microscopic level down to the letters that they can read. And you know what those letters say? Do you know what those letters spell? The name Jesus. These are the truths that people believe that you can map the DNA right down to the microscopic level and it spells jesus think about that for a second and my wife just looks at me amanda looks at me and says in english <laughs> <laughs> so i'm just like okay i mean some things that people just send out there is truth it's just where do you come up with this and so the church actually <laughs> isn't the church traditionally and especially in modern times, the evangelical church has been very anti-intellectual. And so anti-higher education, anti-intellectual, anti-like reading anything or, you know, being a part of anything that's not Christian, right? And so there's a lot of educational materials out there that are not like Christian or don't have Christian overtones or Christian labels on them. And so we in the last well, 100 years have definitely engaged in anti-intellectualism. And so no wonder people just have like definitely hyper spiritual or misguided information, but they hold on to it as truth. And if you question them, you're outside. If you question them, you are outside of Christianity. And so the earth is flat has been around for a very long time, and there are many Christians that believe the earth is flat. How is that possible? 
fences around their truth and no one can question them and just circles of influence and circles of just silos of their own talk and jargon that they speak about. They just are not able to change and they're not able to shape and grow in their knowledge epistemology. So let's go to this first question. The first question that we're going to raise is Shereya's question, and that is how does truth well, I just said that a little bit. How does truth relate to our Christianity or our spirituality? What is truth according to scripture? And how does truth and grace relate? What is compassionate truth? That's like five questions. So, yeah, it so is. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe it. it's like, let's ask a question. And then I end, end up asking five questions. So let me read that again. How does truth relate to our Christianity, our spirituality? What is truth according to scripture? How does truth and grace relate, and what is compassionate truth? All right. So I leaned really hard into what is truth according to Scripture. Okay, and good. I, I think most of the rest of it will will shake itself out. Um, so if we're looking at the Hebrew Scriptures, so our Old Testament, um, the Hebrew word for, well, I'll put it this way. The Hebrew word that we translate into English as truth is emet. Okay. Um, emet carries connotations of firmness, faithfulness, and truth. Um, and what I notice in that definition is that there's, there's no mention of like objective reality or absolute truth. Um, it's very much a personal, subjective experience. Um, faithfulness is something that we experience in relationships. Um, so if you look up Emmet in Strong's Concordance, which, um, if you're not familiar, is uh, basically like a, a dictionary of the words of the Bible in their original language, um, plus all of the references where they occur. So you can look up a word and then you can find where it appears in the text. Um, and so if and you also, look up, also all the potential definitions of that word. Yes, yes. Or the translations of that word, I guess, yeah. Right. So just about every occurrence of emet in English um, shows up as reliability or continuance and then occasionally truth. Um, so like some of the examples, um, I didn't check all 80 of them, but for the most part, the things that you get are uh, tell the truth, which is another way of saying be reliable or trustworthy. You also get that is true. Um, another way you could say that is <laughs> that is faithful to how I interpret reality. Okay. Um, and then you also have uh, the truth of divine instruction. Um, which is referring back to the Torah um, stories where God is faithful. So Hebrew language, when it comes to truth, leans really hard into personal experience, into faithfulness, into reliability. Um, I think it carries mostly a connotation of trustworthiness, like something you can anchor into. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't do a full word study in the Greek, um, 
but I am going to land on John 4, 14, 6, uh, where Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Um, and I think I have Rachel Held Evans to thank for this thought. Um, but she pointed out that rather than give us a book or a set of propositions or a doctrine, God gave us a person. Mm-hmm. And that's our picture of truth. Um, and a person is known through relationship. So I think that truth is ultimately experiential and relational. That's, that's how we can know truth. And then I can say a word about truth and grace. It's a little bit of a tone shift, though. Tone shift. Go for it. Tone shift. Just <laughs> Do it? Go for okay. it. I just think that if the other person doesn't find your approach loving, it doesn't matter how correct you are. Speaking the mm. truth in love or like uh, there's a verse in Isaiah 55, 11, where it says God's word won't come back void. So I can just yell Bible verses at you and God will magically fix it, right? I think we need to stop treating the Bible like magic spells. Our objective truth doesn't really matter if somebody's subjective experience of it is harmful. (laughs) The end. (laughs) The end. So I have a metaphor that I want to throw out there as I was thinking and just popped in my head. So I've been studying um, EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency's Mm -hmm. views on brownfields. And if you know what a brownfield is, uh, a brownfield is, this is going to connect. I swear it's going to connect. So a brownfield is an area, a piece of land or a building or an area, right, that has been toxified by whether it be it was a gas station at one time, like that piece of land had a gas station, there's tanks underneath the ground. That's a common brown field. Or like a, a tannery, all the chemicals that they would tan leather with or skin, all those chemicals leak into the soil. Or an oil company that leaks into the soil, <laughs> it becomes a brown field, right? And a brown field, according to the EPA, is an unusable piece of land. Like you can't put a park or a, you know, grammar school on top of a brownfield. You might be able to put a parking lot on top, but maybe probably not a, a school or a or a daycare, right? You can't you can't build certain structures. You can't build your McDonald's on top of a brownfield. And so so you have to go through an environmental protection agency plan where you have to dig into the soil a certain number of feet, like way deep. And then you replace that soil. So you dig beyond the toxified soil, dig it way down, and then you replace it with fresh soil. And then they do a bunch of testing. Is there leaks? And you might have to fill the gas tanks with certain polymer materials and such. So there's no leakage again after the soil has been replaced. Well, the EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency, actually says that if it's perceived a brownfield perceived so a piece of land could just have the reputation of being toxic and it's perceived to be unusable i thought that was a really good metaphor for where we're at with truth and grace and what you just said of 
if you just perceive that they're not loving, yep. right? You're an unusable piece of, I'm not going to say it, but you're an unusable brown person. Yeah, brownfield. You're an unusable like entity if you're perceived as toxic. So, so I would say that, you know, in my metaphor there, we have to dig deep mm -hmm. into our souls and our lives and our minds and our spirits to dig out that which is not usable and replace it, which is useful, which is a lot, a lot of work. Yeah. I believe that the largest brownfield- I love that metaphor. Yeah. <laughs> I believe the largest brownfield in history is the Willamette River. Mm. The super, the super fun complex from Portland Harbor all the way out to the Col mm -hmm. Columbia. Right. They had to like dig deep and dredge everything out and try to pick up all of the everything. Well, the world yeah. looks into the church right now and they see us as this one big brownfield, unusable. Yeah. That's, I mean, they can say all that they want, but if we're perceived as unusable, we're unusable. Sess. We might have the potential like somewhere, but you know, we're not going to be used. Interesting. Okay. Any other thoughts on your question? No. Those are all my notes. Jake, do you have any thoughts on that? When you said, Shreya, that when their subjective truth does not match your truth, so define what you meant by your truth. Is that more of an objective truth or is that a subjective based upon where you stand? Uh, can you remind me where I said that? <laughs> Uh, it's towards your very end. You said, if, if your objective truth doesn't, doesn't really matter if someone's subjective experience of it is harmful. Correct. Yeah. So define objectivity at that point. Uh, I, I think a better word there would be authoritative. When we use scripture as clobber verses to be Got right. You. So than... so you're you're more talking Oh about wait, like... wait, 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 wait. Did you just say clobber verses? Yeah. I love I that. that. That is really? that is I'm just going to cherry pick that and put that in my back pocket. <laughs> Thank you. Just wanted to pause. Clobber verses. I've never heard that. Really? That's good. I don't Kudos think that's you. me, but who cares? It's Shereas tonight and forever. Okay. Go ahead, Jake. So you were talking more about people that use scripture as, as a weapon. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I thought you were actually getting speaking a little sappy about... there. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Understandable. That's all I got. So in the New Testament, the way that I understand this idea of truth which mm -hmm. is that aletheia, the Greek yeah. word. Yeah. So the way that I understand like John eight, know the truth and the truth mm -hmm. shall set you free. You will know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Um, that idea of truth is an objectivity that's been revealed in man. Jesus, 
in amen yeah yeah and so well since we have the holy spirit then it would then be carried forward that the objectivity as revealed in human mm -hmm. so the human one but then jesus gives us this this spirit that's the indwelling or the divine dwelling inside of us so that objectivity as revealed in humans first jesus then the body of christ so what would you say sharia if i said the only version of objectivity that i experience today is revealed in you and me any even a a witness of it or a shadow of it Hmm. I I might not be understanding where you're taking this. My first thought is, well, you haven't interacted with very many people today. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but I mean, that goes back to Brene Brown's idea that, well, basically all people inherently are good. <laughs> and I wouldn't be a, what's called a, a, Pelagianist or semi-Pelagianist or something like that, that, that I believe that, you know, we're partially bad when we're born or we're all bad right. when we're born. I believe that we're all good when we're born. So, you know, me and some of the early theologians, you know, would have been killed for that because I don't necessarily believe in this traditional original sin passed on through genetics. Right. So, so I'm inherently good when I'm born so mm -hmm. therefore I carry a I carry a divine nature, an image nature of me just because I'm a person. So even the worst of the worst carry that image to a degree. Their mm -hmm. actions might be certainly ugly. And that's what we see a lot of in society. That's why it's really easy to point out the evil age is, you know, this person or this group. So it's really easy to do that because we don't agree with what we don't know or we mm -hmm. don't agree with what we think is wrong or, you know, not all the way right. So, mm -hmm. but when I look this word up, it says divine truth revealed to people, but in Christ. Hmm. Okay. True. Yeah. So that was kind of my, I think our, our very last landing last week where we just were going around circles was that was the end of my, um, my talk was that truth is mirrored through all humanity, the character mm -hmm. of God to become the fullest picture of truth that we have and everything else outside of the character of God is subjective to that truth and so you have um so the, the sum of the parts is greater than the whole right and so god becomes bigger when we all are expressing god through our actions through our through our minds through our yeah and so how that looks for truth is that truth becomes then a lived experience in us and through us. So in the verse, it says that, let's read it one more time, John something. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. 
John eight thirty eight. Is that accurate? So who's yeah, so who sets us free? Well, it says the truth will set you free. So, yeah. but who sets us free? Jesus. And so and at that point, we're declaring other. that truth. Forgive each other. Person. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Correct. 832. So so who sets us free? Jesus sets us free. Yeah. Now that's unfair because that's a cherry picked verse, a clobber verse. Love that. So it's a clobber verse that I meet, I could use to, we I can weaponize my spirituality with that clobber verse, right? Mm -hmm. So Jesus said, to the Jews who believed him. You truly, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teaching. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So again, Sharia, you're mm -hmm. right. Faithfulness, being faithful to Christ's teaching yeah. That truth then will be revealed in us. So basically Jesus is revealed in us and Jesus sets us free. Mm -hmm. But again, we see that idea of faithfulness to Christ, not to some politic, not to some ideologue. Now we have to be careful though, Jake, because what I heard you say is the sum of the parts is, is greater than the individual parts. Of the whole, yeah. Right. Some of the parts so, are greater than the whole. Some of the parts is greater than the whole. So you have to be very careful, though, with that philosophy, because then you get into that religious science or that um, it's, I uh, can't remember the name of the, the philosophy, where the anthill. And so you have an anthill that's built with ants, and some of those ants kill other ants, but it's all for the common good. Oh, no, that's uh. so that's good. Mm -hmm. OK, I, I see what you're what you're going for. I definitely would would retract before that and say that the character of God expressing the character of God is truth. Murder killing is not character of God. Right. And so there is a litmus of. Is that within the character of God? Is that loving? Some people, or is some that people not? would say that killing is in the character of God, though. Well, that's unfortunate. They don't know well, God. the old the Old Testament. They they mm. use the Old Testament to to prove that. But that's that's getting in the weeds. I I get what it's you're weed. saying. It's weeds. I totally it's get, weeds. Yeah, I totally get what you're saying. It's just we have to be careful to not subscribe to that philosophy, and just go with well you know the common good right. and you know these can allow certain things to to occur just calling know, the calling the good. herd kevin just calling the herd oh goodness goodness okay why don't we go over jake's ideas and his framework of his worldview so we have some slides jake why don't you lead us through that so first slide robbie want to throw that up 
is our very first podcast in this series is where did we come from um if you guys want to remind me a little bit of what we talked about evolution we talked about creation narratives we talked about even how our own uh trauma narratives our family of origin and our culture of origin defines Mm -hmm. where we come from and so what I say, and the picture next to it is the pillars of creation. I showed that at, at a, our gathering last Sunday as well. But it's it's stars being born, uh, what sixteen billion years ago? Because you're looking way into the past when you see this photo, and so just think about we're stuck, we're looking way into the past when we talk about the origin of of creation. The very first sentence of the Bible is translated often in the beginning god created the heavens and the earth when the most literal word for word translation uh, is in a beginning the gods created heaven and earth the earth is old and humanity is not so the earth has been around for a long time and humanity is only a very speck on that on that timeline evolution god put time evolution and purpose into action god is active in this process the purpose of creation is to love each other thoughts questions so 13.8 billion years ago the universe was somehow created that's a long long time yeah to say the earth is old and humanity is not (laughs) and it's a long long time to then come to the conclusion the purpose of creation 13.8 billion years of creation is to love each other there's a lot of empty space there. Lots of empty space. Just like so are you, are you saying, are you giving room at all that the universe was created with age? Um, you totally can believe that. Uh, there's people that believe that the universe was created with age and that dinosaurs were buried in the earth by God. That's like these little Easter eggs that we can go out and find. Um, fossil fuels that we often know are from uh, decomposed matter of a long time ago was put there. And so you totally can believe that the earth and all of the cosmos was created with age. Sure. I don't know why you would think that that's, that's gonna, that's, that's putting God back into the gap of creation that has been solved. Well, I don't think it's been solved. I think I think that microevolution has been solved. I think it's pretty well understood. Macro is hard, but micro is a, is a well accepted theory. Yeah, but that's seen in our bodies mostly and of course. like like around and just different species of at smaller levels yeah 
but macroevolution has a lot of gaps to it. That's why, that's why it's not a, or that's why it's a refuted theory by people like the Institute of Creation Research and such people like that, because there are so many gaps. It's a legitimate yeah. theory, but theories are not solved. Theories are just theory. theories. Sorry, solved yeah. is a bad word. Um, not to correct you or anything. I'm just, I'm just trying to upon. figure no, out. No, that's good. I'm just that's trying good. to figure solved out like who lived like 13.8 billion years. So I'll be that conservative evangelical. 13.8 billion years is a very long time for the universe to be empty and just have, you know, like stars and gases and stuff and stardust. So like when God approached this earth and approached. said, Oh, so, that... came, so God came from somewhere else. Or maybe God just like looked at earth somehow and said, Oh, that, that looks like a functioning planet and decided to create the first human being. And let's say traditional evangelical would say that created Adam. So how old is, how old are humans? I can't remember right now. That's I don't in know. the in the age of of Homo sapiens uh, and Australopithecus and all that. So so if you think about like <laughs> we're getting we're getting in the weeds here. No no no. I'm just I'm just saying it's a long time. So are you giving it's, room for that? Are you giving room for aliens? Are you giving room for like other life alien forms? Theory? Like no other life forms um, on other planets. I mean, is there is there room for that in your philosophy? Well, sure. I think I think that it doesn't end here. I think to look at to look at the earth centric like creation I have a hard time with that. I think things are put for our enjoyment. Yeah. And so I I I don't know if if this being so earth centric is is necessary yet we are here on earth mm -hmm. that makes sense to me yeah and so when you look at when you look at history from earth you know we don't we don't know about aliens we don't know about about extra life forms that are outside and to say that the earth that creation was void and empty just gases and just plant matter yeah, I think it's that is also a very human centric view of creation that that we are just one piece of creation as humanity. Well, I guess that where I'm questioning and I'm kind of pulling the, you know, pulled pork apart yeah, I get here you. You're fine. is the purpose of creation is to love each other. That's where I'm getting hung up. Okay. Because okay. I would say the purpose of creation was God wanted to be creative. And this is his expression of his creativeness. And that was his purpose in creating this wonderful place. So you're looking at that mm. as God's. Okay. Mm, yeah, sure. The purpose of creation is, is God's creative desire. Yeah. And we all have that creative desire in us, I think. There's room for both, it. certainly. Yeah. I like it. Well, I'm just looking at, you know, like uh, oh, Homo, hey. erect, Homo erectus yeah. mm -hmm. is, is 1.5 million years old. 
Okay, so that's a homo species, right? Is is that yes. old? Homo sapien is three hundred thousand years, right? With um, astralo, go ahead. 000. With modern behavior, up to sixty thousand years. Yeah, so Australopithecus would be which coexisted. Yeah, I and mean, some of this stuff is crazy. Crazy what they're gonna Yeah, so four point so uh Anamensis, the genus Anamensis, four point two million million years. So I mean let's say Australopithecus three million years. So let's say, let's go back, let's say 5 million years, but you have 13.8 billion. Let's give it 20 million years and just way overestimate. Let's just give it a billion years. Yeah, why not just billion? Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, so 12.8 billion years is a long time to, you know, for God and whatever to be floating around wherever it's a lonely place. Some people have these theories that God created human beings because he was lonely. God created human beings because he wanted to love them. I think God created human beings because he was creative. And that's an expression I, of creation. I definitely would change the language a bit and say God created because he wanted to create. God wanted to create, sorry. I think putting human as like the optimal like oh i i i'm not I'm, I'm just saying 13.8 billion years of creation shows me that god is just creative totally 100%. And that's his nature okay anyway okay keep going slide two <laughs> where are we headed when time is at its end heaven and earth will come together to create everlasting peace and harmony Salvation means creation healed. I believe that all will enter into this peace. What we do with it till then is the point of being Christian. And this picture is a um, Renaissance era picture of Isaiah 11. And so uh, if you want to go back to look at what the Shalom passage is, the lion will lay down the lamb, the child yeah. will play over the asp den and will not get bit. And so they have a huge, like Isaiah writes a huge uh, parable about how, what creation looks like when it's completely healed. So that's what that picture is. It's pointing to. Is that a little sheep in like the bottom, like on the hip of the lion? Yes. Is that a little sheep yeah. right there? Okay. Angry looking sheep. Angry. <laughs> yes. And then and then you have like your son's name is Oliver. So you have two Olivers hanging out. There. Three Olivers. Where's the third? Up on up on top of the lion, just chilling. I'm I'm talking about the, the person down below and the person on the lion hanging up there. Oh then oh then oh, I see what you're saying. Because then you have the little person in the dress too. Which is not, I'm not saying that person's female. It's just they're older. Taurus. Okay. That's what you're saying. And the lion has like a human face, which is creepy. It has those 
eyes that follow you. Mm-hmm. And anything on the slide. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> I mean the actual words? I'm just going to describe the painting to everyone who's listening later in the week. <laughs> As they see it. <laughs> I guess they won't see it on, on, on the podcast. Nope. What? Why not? Because... It's just audio. It's audio. Oh, okay. Can we put some links to your... Oh, I guess, yeah, you're right. You're it's, right. It's on everywhere else, yeah. Any thoughts? So what is the point of being Christian? Um, so to heal creation to to bring about heaven on earth to live the heavenly kingdom and so this is kind of my my thought right now of where the line of universalism and annihilationism where that comes into play is that at some point you have to look at well why do we even believe in this why do we practice this and the reason for practice is to create peace in creation around us we're not quite that slide yet and so we can go into that a little deeper later but in order to give a but why why to go through all of this if everyone's going to end up in the same place when we're done Well, Karl Barth would even say that there is a place for those that act in anaphema towards God. So they're, so they're anaphema or they're so far away from God's purpose and vision mm -hmm. that there's not a place. So he created this idea idea of the abyss where they go to a place of eternity i'm more of an annihilationist you know where i would say the soul just goes away um and if we want the promise to be with god forever then we'll be a part of god's purpose and plan i, ca I can't subscribe anymore to a place that our souls go for eternal torment yeah that some devil yep. is pitchforking our sides for eternity i don't think see i i get to the point of annihilationism but then i feel like god is not a god to give up yeah and so does this anathema that we're going to call them the one that just rejects god anathema, do they stay yeah. Do they stay in a place of waiting until it gets through? So are you saying that there'll be multiple chances? Sure. Why not? Why not? But why not? Why not believe in universalism? That makes sense why the character of God? Why not? Why not believe that in the end, all relationships will be healed? Like you can act totally different than that. So that's my, that was my 
my reason for being Christian at that point or having a faith following God, not just Christian. That's kind of weird. I read that earlier. Um, but how in the end of all things, if everything is reconciled and God is a God of reconciliation, I don't see an end to that desire of reconciliation. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I can be a universalist because of the trial language that's used in scripture. The scripture is very clear about trial language. So when the, the Pharisee is questioned or there's a place called the gnashing of teeth or Gehenna for this idea of the person who is really anti-Christ, you know, they, they trying to be right and they're not kind or they just have othered people. Um, I think that there's too much in scripture for me to just, well, and then you just add the Jesus story and you go, well, okay. So if we're, if it's universalism, then what's the point of Christ on the cross? And I, I really struggle with like in my, and maybe I'm just a traditionalist here. Uh, but if I, if I don't have a, some form of sheep and goats type of idea, but you gotta be careful that with the, that. Oh, I totally get it. I totally get it. If I don't have a, those that go to the right and the left, like used in the arch of Titus. I don't really have a reason for Christ. Okay. So let's take it one step. Now, now mind Sorry. you, I'm not saying that the ones that would be considered outside or condemned, mm -hmm. quote unquote, um, I'm not saying that they're going to go to a place of eternal torment. Of course. What I'm they're saying is there'll be some kind of separation from God. And that would be, mm -hmm. in my view, an annihilation separation that they will be separated, but is they that... won't like live eternally in separation. Yeah. And I think that that, for me, that is the most conservative that I could go in hell theology. And well, so, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so when you start looking at, well, if if we believe in a God that knows all possible outcomes, right? Then why even go through this, anyways? I don't believe in a God that knows all possible outcomes. That's my answer to that. I, I don't I don't believe in a God that knows all possible. I'm not an omni person. Totally. And so but if you're a if you're an open theist, which I you am. believe that God knows every possible <laughs> outcome of every possible 
issue in the and therefore right in the right now yes and so in therefore the right okay so future god is not no future yeah i would say that that that's not really a biblical idea mm. otherwise what's the point yeah the i point mean we gotta of, look at it what what if is god is like present in all times then all times are the present for god so future doesn't really make sense as a as a category anyways um well, well the future <laughs> the future the future is not a category of time really but she's saying god exists outside present. of time and so present is only a created order right and so if God knows every possible solution to every outcome. I think this is a little too existential. Completely. <laughs> but I, what I believe is God knows everything right at this moment and can navigate through this moment. To say that God knows everything in the future, then if God knew everything in the future, God would stop everything in the future. And That's evil how from it, happening. Uh, how I would get around that just to end this. <laughs> yeah. Get around. Is it. that God self limits? Well, that's an open theist idea, self limiting God, but that's self limiting. Now I believe that self limitation now. So God doesn't interject himself in the now all the time. That's a, that's a topic for a way another day, way another day. But I would say, <laughs> I I feel and think that to to live a life like there is separation of God but believe that God is strong enough and persistent enough to heal every relationship mm. through choice through through positive action through not through anything beyond relationship no coercion how uh that's what i want to stand with but definitely live as the, it makes a difference what was your slide again can we relook at your slide <laughs> okay that's why this makes sense i'm still stuck on this ubiquitous gaze of the lion <laughs> So also a, a big point, Rob, put the slide back for me. A big point to this to this slide is salvation means Look all at those creation. eyes. Healed. All creation healed. Yes. That's not it's not a human centric that that humans mm -hmm. are healed that we're gonna blow off, but it's actually all salvation is all of creation is brought into peace. Mm. And so to salvation is a pyramid or triangle triangle probably better for our, our language that it is a that it is a relationship of god humanity and creation and and the non-human world and so when all those links of relationship are healed that is salvation
salvation is I I don't believe is a I think Jesus' sacrifice is beyond is beyond just a human understanding of what it did. Okay. Great. I will never be hired for any other church after the slide deck. <laughs> Next. It's forever. Neither will the other of us. Neither will I. This is how to ensure you'll never be employable. How should, what should we do? How do we do it? And he replied, you must love, he's Jesus, by the way. <clears throat> you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all of your being, and with all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like this. You must love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and prophets depend on these two commandments. Humanity's only purpose in the created order is to love. To love means to understand, to invest, and to cultivate growth. We are gardeners in creation, not masters or overlords, probably a better a better word. We're not overlords. Love is only an action verb. I think I want you to remove something out of that second paragraph. Okay. Humanity's only purpose in the created order is to love. Created order is that phrase that complementarians use to prove that in the created order are also anti-LGBTQ anti plus people use the created order to establish their doctrine of oppression and uh, inequality. Okay. I, I don't have that type of baggage with that, but I can totally take it out. Well, humanity's only purpose is to love. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to make sure to point out that humanity is just part of the created, not staying above it. Mm -hmm. I think uh, in Genesis, it talks about how go and multiply, be fruitful, and basically have what many translations say is to have dominion over the earth and a better, a better uh, understanding of that verse is to have skillful mastery over. And so when, when we look at the skill set of Adam and Eve's first, if you want to look at the story and then maybe it be allegorical, but also if you even want to go literal with that, the issue of Adam and Eve is that they they were cultivators of the earth. They were gardeners. Mm -hmm. I th this is slightly different language than you're using, but it's it's the idea like we don't like go out into nature like nature is separate from us like we are part of it is that kind of yeah, the direction stand. you're going salvation means creation healed yeah that we are to be skillful masteries over creation and skillful mastery doesn't doesn't take everything for oneself so right. that the next the next generation has nothing 
doesn't doesn't put inequitous systems into place doesn't doesn't burn destroy kill mm-hmm. it's good I like it so take out create order and that's that's good to go that's it yeah well, I mean, your picture is so straightforward. It's just a waterfall. Yeah, it's the Oregon so, Gardens. They have in Japanese gardens. I mean, <laughs> there's no, there's no lions with. I'm sorry. <laughs> I should I should have found something a little more cryptic. I love it. I love it. Great. Okay, last slide, Rob. I think it's last slide, right? I hope so. Okay. <laughs> oh. What is truth? Jesus replied, "Why do you call me good?" No one is good except for the for the one God. The character of God is the only objective truth. All truths outside the character of God are social cultural axioms that are subjective to the object. Ugh. We can experience objective truth by looking for the spirit of God within every person. We experience objective truth by seeing the spirit of God within ourselves. Oh, see? I talked about that. You did, yeah. And so, Rob, to answer your question on what this circle is, think about the circle as being objective truth as the character of God, and that is in that circle. And anything that we think is truth, or anything that outside of the character of God is tangential to that truth itself. At some point, they may intersect and it may touch, but it is not a description of the whole. And so oftentimes we like to say that our truth exists inside that circle when really it's just a line on the outside, an axiom that's tangential to that truth in itself. But that tangential truth has to have an element to the character of God in it to be a legitimate truth in itself. So are you saying thoughts. we're objective adjacent? Objective adjacent. Outside the character of God. All right. Rob says. And so think <laughs> about is the P, L. What is the L? Line. Uh, L is just the trans, uh, the, the truth that we believe is truth is actually subjective. P is the point. I didn't, I didn't not, I didn't, this is just off Google. I'm oh, sorry. Okay. Uh, I thought it was your creation. I'm like, this is really good. No, not (laughs) me. Uh, P is the point in which, in which that, that axiom brushes against that character of God. O would be the character of God in that point. Mm -hmm. But all things that we believe, all things that we see outside of the characteristics of God are social cultural so things that we grew up with family of origin culture of origin education schooling different things besides that how how we look at the earth if we are if we're neurotypical non-neurotypical we have a different viewpoint of somebody else anywhere else and so our 
social cultural axioms are not transferable anywhere else except for the culture that we are currently in. Mm hmm. <laughs> mm hmm. So, I are you think... looking something up in your glass? <laughs> no, no. I drew something for us. Venn diagram. Okay. I can't read it. No. God. Okay. Objective. Us. Subjective. Okay. So usually this picture is, is shown in a way that God, this circle is heaven and this circle is earth. And then the space in which it connects where heaven and earth come together is Christ. If I put God's objective truth here and our subjective truth here, so this is what I understand and this is what God is, this shape, this almond shape, which mm -hmm. if you leave the tails of this almond shape, you get the ichthus, which is the Christian fish, quote fish. But if you leave this shape here, this almond shape, that's called the mandorla in Christianity. The top of the fish without the tail is the mandorla. I know I'm trying to do this backwards. So that mandorla is where the, the window... Earth. If I can say the window where the veil which, is thinnest, the window in which we see God. So if God is absolute and we are subjective, the only window that we have in that into that objectivity is Christ. It's always seen as the mandorla is Christ. So Christ's ways, Christ's life, Christ's actions uh, shows us God's nature. So the Christ in you is the only vision that I have of objective truth. Yeah, where I said the spirit of me, the spirit in you. Right. Mm -hmm. And the spirit, I think, and it goes both ways. It's like I, I, I recognize the spirit of God within you. And right. I think that needs to go beyond just the term saved or unsaved. I think mm -hmm. both carry the oh, spirit yeah. of God because both have breath that we recognize the spirit of God in every person and right. thing. I think we should. And then the, we recognize the spirit of God within ourselves. I think without without really recognizing the spirit, we 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 do a better job at recognizing it with other people and seeing that. But oftentimes we don't do a good job seeing the spirit of God within ourselves. If I can take that one step far, but I'm having a hard time seeing the spirit of God in the church right now. Yeah, like the church, the church universal. Yeah. The window into heaven has not been the church lately, which is a really, really mm -hmm. big struggle. But it's the action of love, grace, acceptance, hospitality. 
Mm-hmm. Isn't the namaste, weren't you talking about the namaste last week about how the divine in me recognizes the, the divine, divine in you. divine in you. So, I mean, you could apply the namaste that I recognize Christ in you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that is my window into, it always has to do with a person, either the person of Christ or the person of you. I still want to know what is in that space from zero to 12.8 billion years. What window was there? Dinosaurs. Like bacteria and single-celled organisms and dinosaurs <laughs> and like all kinds of cool stuff. Yeah. Hey, good job, Jake. Thank you. <laughs> Thank let's you. answer let's answer dad's question. Dad Fred, right there. Do you want to be right or do you want to be well? So I've been looking at that all evening as I've been speaking, and I'm going to answer your question. Do I want to be right? I think everybody wants to be right, but it's not important that I am. It's not my idol. It's not my worship to be right. Do I want to be well? I think that's out of my hands, especially if I'm talking about physical wellness. If you're talking about physical wellness, I hope to be well. I Do I want to be right? Yes, but it's not, it's not the most important to me. Um, do I want to be well? I can hope to be well. If you mean I want to be sensible, like mind wellness, do I want to be sensible? I hope so too. I hope to be sensible and I hope to be physically well. I don't necessarily have to be right, but I better darn well love. In the words of the prophetess, Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift says, Calm down. You're being too loud. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. We've talked too much tonight. Thanks, Jake. We are going to conclude next week our worldview. And we're going to move on to our next subject. I'm pretty excited to introduce that next week. So... That's enough for tonight. Thanks, Sharia, for your thoughts. Thanks, Jake, for your worldview and all of your slides. Um, I don't know if we can make those public because of copyright infringement. Oh, they're already public, so maybe maybe I, some people. I don't think that anyone, if I can take them down if anyone wants me to, it's okay. Okay. So with that, thanks, both of you, for your thoughts. Good night, everybody. Have a good evening.